This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal-Wongal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. everybody it's david james young for another week of all my friends are in bar bands we're back it's uh, really really nice to be saying that again been super super busy been traveling around i was in brisbane and then i was in melbourne and now i'm back and you know just slowly working my way through every gig ever as everyone that knows will uh, testify to uh yeah it's friday and we have a brand new episode for you and i'm really really excited about this one this is the literal embodiment of all my friends are in bar bands this is two people that i've known for many many years and two people that i'm really really stoked to finally uh properly chat to in depth about everything that we've been through uh we are talking today to jonathan boulet and kirsty tickle Jonathan Boulay is a Sydney-based singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist who has put out music under his own name and has also put out music with bands such as Parades and Snakeface. And right now he is one half of a band called Party Dozen with Kirsty Tickle. Kirsty is originally from Toowoomba in Queensland uh, and has also played in groups like Little Scout and the John Steele Singers and has also toured with Henry Wagons and done a bunch of bits and pieces all over the place. Both are remarkably talented songwriters and instrumentalists and performers, but above everything else, they are good friends of mine and have been for the better part of seven years. I've known them both for a really, really long time, and I've seen them through a lot of their different projects, including... Uh, Parades and Little Scout, as I mentioned, two of my all-time favorite Australian bands who put out two of my all-time favorite records. I try to give them a plug at the end. I get Foreign Tapes right, which is the name of their Parades album, but I accidentally call the Little Scout album Take Your Life instead of Take Your Light, (laughs) and I don't know why I did that. I may have been deliriously tired from staying out with friends of the show, Luca Prazi, the night before. Maybe. I'm, I'm not going to blame them, but maybe I am blaming them. Who's to stay? <laughs> Who's to say? Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but yes, Take Your Light is the debut album from Little Scout that came out in 2011. I want to say 2011. Could be 2010. It's around that period. It's around the early 2010s. But uh, yes, goddamn life-changing record. Could not recommend it high enough. Also could not recommend Party Doesn't High Enough. It's a kind of free-form, weird, experimental, uh, jazzy, noise duo. Saxon drums, samples, not much else. All instrumental stuff. Really, really cool to listen to and to watch. Their debut album's out now. It's called The Living Man. I strongly recommend it. Put aside half an hour and get your tiny mind blown. They will be doing a bunch of shows coming up, including uh, the 10th birthday show for Oxford Art Factory, which is coming up in October. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that one out. That should be one hell of a night, I'm going to say. I will wager that quite heftily. But yes, Jono, Kirsty, great, great, great friends of mine. Really, really stoked to have them on. Really, really stoked to be talking about Party Dozen, Parades, Little Scout, everything in between. So, I'm going to get you into that in just one moment. But before I do that, quick and timely reminder, this podcast is supported by people just like you and people like this following group of legends that support the podcast financially over on Patreon. Massive, massive thank you to 
Amy Gray, Andrew Nicholson, Blake Hennequin, Britt Andrews, Eleanor Shepard, Hazel Chan, Heath Anthony, Jeremy Neal, Karen Dennis, Kirsten Day, Christy Wanmaker, Leslie Bowden, Liam Sherlaw, Lily Belnick, Matthew Lynch, Max Quinn, Paul McWhorter, Rachel Maria Cox, Ryan Dunn, Sian Vanakuti, Tom Brown, Tom Kennedy, Tom Jenkins, and Zoe Lane. If you would like to join that list of absolute champions of the goddamn universe and support this podcast for as little as $1 a month, then that's a thing you can do. You can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash barbands. We'll work out the rest from there. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-a-r-b-a-n-d-s. Plenty more coming up for you. Got some really great internationals and some really cool local artists coming up. We got a huge backlog to get through. I'm trying my absolute darndest to not make this a monthly thing. So hopefully you'll hear back from me sooner than later. But in the meantime, let's have a chat with Party Dozen, Jonathan Boulay, and Kirsty Tickle. friends are in bar bands today i would like to introduce you to my friends jonathan boulet hi and kirsty tickle hello how are you guys very well Ooh, <laughs> look at that it's like you guys can finish each other's breakfast <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> we're here uh we're upstairs uh just directly next to the red rattler in a little studio partially does does burke own this as well or did yeah, those yeah. guys built this place from yeah, scratch. Yeah, yeah. Friend of the show, Simon Simon Berkelman, mm. former guest, lifetime hero of the universe. Mm. Sure, yes. Yeah. Friend yeah. to yes. all. Yeah, all. absolutely. He's just one of those people that's it's instantly affable. Like, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I, I, I've never heard anyone have a bad word to say about that guy. No. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's the bad thing about him. Yeah. He's, he has no so Oh, he's so nice. He's too, too nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Can't be trusted. He kills people at night time. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you guys been up here? Almost a year, I reckon. Has it been a year? Oh, I don't know. I think so. I feel almost. like it's more like six months. Maybe I, my perception of time is not very good. <laughs> yeah. It's not founded in reality. Yeah, before this we were in the city and then... Um, we sort of had to move, and this came up, and it's so good because there's so much natural light. Yes, lovely. It's also handy that you guys are a two-piece. If anyone else tries to fit in here, yes, yeah, it's a cozy it's not, space. It's not the biggest of spaces, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it does the job. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. All right, so Jonathan, Jono. Yes. This is the first time that I've called you Jonathan in years. That's a weird thing to think about. usually only when I'm naughty. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think the first time we met was, it was either Homebake 2009 or Come Together 2010. Mm. Like, it was around that period, like Mm. around the time that that first solo record came out. Yeah. Back Mm. when I actually called you Jonathan, and then that's that's when I was just like, oh wait, no one calls him that. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was a long time ago. A real, real long time. Yeah, you had a little longer hair. I had long boyish Long hair. boyish. Baby face. Yeah, little baby face. <laughs> sure. Oh, you were all little baby faces. It was like you and Dave and Ravi and... Yeah, the whole gang. Yeah, the whole gang of little baby boys. You would have only been about 19 at that point. Yeah, that's right at the start of it, so 1920. Hectic. Oh, oh my God. What do you remember about that time? Because, like... That took off super quick, like, around yeah. the time of that first record. Like, yeah. you, you guys were playing pretty much everywhere, and you got, like, yep. a lot of big support slots and stuff like that. For like sure. that, That's a lot to take in at that kind of age, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. I think they they started us on the Tame Impala tour. Yeah. And we'd never played... Like, I'm a drummer up until that point. And yeah, so, yeah, and yeah. suddenly I had to stand up with an acoustic guitar. Yeah. And sing. Yeah. 
And it was kind of like, all right, the tour starts in three months. And I was like, shit. <laughs> and so I called on Ravi, Dave, um, Waddy, Harrison, Joss. And we we're just like, let's, let's, you guys want to do this? And they're like, yeah, sweet, let's do it. And they threw us in the deep end and we started playing on that tour. And I can't imagine how shit it would have been for, <laughs> for a long time as well. Yeah, yeah. And but but we'd finish playing and people would be like, "That was awesome!" And I was just like, "No, it wasn't." Like, I don't, what were you listening to? I don't understand. But it was yeah, it was good to get in the, into that straight away. So we had to learn how to do it properly. Yeah, and whatever happened to that other band anyway? Uh, uh, which band? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it I was, was, it's not like they went on to anything else. I, mean, like, I think it you, helped. You, you survived that other band. They've fucking yeah. gone yeah. to the annals of history. It really helped that we supported them on that tour because they would have gone nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe a year later, uh, parades are on tour with Little Scout, yes. and that is where I meet you, Kirsty. Yes. And uh, 2010, the funnest year. Oh, what a time! So much touring. Yeah. The, ter- the, the turn of the decade. What what a what a time! Uh, it's weird to think that like to be like nostalgic for that time, considering it doesn't feel that long ago. But mm. you like look at everything now. All those bands have broken up. A lot of those venues have shut down. Mm. So true. Like, and you're just like, oh my god! Like, I'm an artifact already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, John got called a uh, veteran in an interview recently, recently, actually, which was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great. Veteran before thirty. Yeah, you're doing good. Yeah. Clocked it. Vet- yeah, like everyone's a veteran. You know, if there's time passed before them. Yeah. Mm, I you suppose know? so. Yeah. Like, we look back at that time, we'll look back at this time. Mm. And then mm. we'll be in another time when we look back at this time. Fucking hell. We've gotten some meta already. Yeah. <laughs> you see, time is a very complex <laughs> subject. Save that for another podcast, mm. I reckon. Yeah, like idiots talking about time. <laughs> oh, one time. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if that was a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Was that the first time you'd done like a big proper sort of tour? No, you know what? Uh, Bringing back Simon Berkman. Hey! The first ever tour we did was Little Scout, Philadelphia Grand Jury and Bells Will Ring. Holy shit! And it was our first. We did a big like... That's a sign of the times right there. Yeah, 12 date tour, I think. I was 18 at the time. It was 2000 and... Eight maybe. Yeah, wow. So I was, I was a little baby, and that was my first my first tour. Wow. Yeah. Hectic. Yeah. Oh man. And they all stayed at my parents' house in Toowoomba. I remember when we played a spot of cow show, and mm. it was really nice. We all got to, we all got to know each other so well. And mm. Ivan Lisiak. Yes. Who's amazing? He was drumming for one of the best um, drummers in the country. One of the mm-hmm. best drummers in the country. He was drumming for um, Bells of Ring at the time. Oh no shit! Yeah, and he like from that tour, like we've been friends ever since. That's mm. great. So good. I love that guy. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah. He's just a wonderful little weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Just a seasoned grindcore drummer that wears turtlenecks and Ah, plays in like flashy bands with like Jack Cowell and shit. I know. It's just like, what are you doing? Like, I'm I'm just half expecting him anytime he's playing in one of those like classier, like more like fancier bands. I'm just like, just fucking break one out, man. Just boogie 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 Because you can just tell, like, he just wants to fucking do it. And can. Yeah. Oh, he can and will. He just has to wait for everyone to leave and then just, like, looks around, make sure no one's watching. And then everyone's looking and it's like, oh, boom, pa, boom, 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 boom. Oh, what a champion. So. I begin these by talking about the initial interest in music, where it stemmed from being something that you were maybe observing on TV or maybe listening to on the radio or whatever, and kind of getting an interest into being something that you actually wanted to do. Uh, Jono, mm. tell us a little bit about how music kind of factored into your childhood. Earlier on, I, I had some behavioural issues. Oh, right. Yeah, as like a way to deal with it, they my parents kind of got me a drum kit when mm. I was young, and I took to it. Because who wouldn't? You get right? to s- smash the shit out of a thing and it Hell makes a lot yeah. of noise. This way, he wasn't smashing the shit out of any other kids. So mm. That's good. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> put that energy towards the drum skin instead of human skin. Um, so yeah, I guess that's where that started. I just kept, I just kept playing it, and then you know you get into high school and you find other friends that are in bands, mm. and we found 
parades in high school. So we started playing. Yeah, no shit. Doing punk music together, like you know, like we all loved listening to Refused yeah. and Thursday. So parades started out as a punk band. Yeah, yeah. We would, we wanted to just be the craziest, heaviest, weird band mm. around. So we just we loved Dillinger Escape Plan and. Um, you know, Thursday, Poison the Well, all those yeah. cool emo bands back then. And yeah, we just try, we'd try and kind of emulate all of those bands together into the same kind of weird, you know, whatever kids do yeah. in their high school bands. But yeah, it was just really loud. And, and the idea it shows for us was to be like, let's be the craziest, like wildest physical band. Mm. And so we'd go crazy and, like, throw our bodies around, but I'm sure we weren't playing any notes. <laughs> like, it just would have sounded like one of those Shreds videos online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we're just thrashing as hard as we can, and that's, yeah, that was kind of the whole deal. And then eventually, you know, we got over that and we started doing parades. Yeah, wow. Kirstie, what about you? Where, where where was music kind of a thing for you? Like, were you kind of like a piano lessons kid? Or yeah, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm full classically conservatorium trained. Oh, look oh. out. Yes. Here she Ew. is. Uh, no, so I, I started piano lessons at like four. Oh, shit. Um, because I all my siblings did it, so I wanted to do it as well. And I landed on woodwind when I was in high school. But I also did like acoustic shows when I was in high school, did mm. like some battles of the bands and stuff. And then I, the first ever recording, I was laughing cause I was looking at some blog site yesterday and it was Stu Larson talking about like how he's like tours all over the world. He's like mm. this Australian singer songwriter. And that was the first yeah. ever record that I worked on was one of his really early EPs. Yeah, no shit. Cause he was from the same town as me. But, um, yeah, then I went to like the con and did clarinet for th- three or four years and then, Decided it was more fun touring. Yeah. Went that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's been nice with Party Dozen, though, because I can actually do the thing that I'm skilled at. The yeah. Most. Yeah. The saxophone. The sa- well, <laughs> you know. It's all awesome, mushroom mushrooms. Right. <laughs> oh, well. They're all the same. It's all the same. You heard it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you grow up, Jono? Um, I grew up in country Victoria. Uh, yeah, right. In a town called Wangaratta. and how far away is that from civilization? <laughs> it's far. It's well, it's not that. It felt far. It was kind of like two and a half, three hours north of Melbourne, up near the border where Victoria meets New South Wales. Right. Um, yeah, it's just a small country town. It's like a hundred thousand people. Mm. Be that isn't that big? I thought it was like much smaller. Maybe than maybe that. a bit less. Maybe yeah. fifty, fifty thousand. Yeah. Anyway, it's pretty somewhere small. in between. Like, it's quite, it's small enough to, to consider it a place that you don't want to stay too long. Mm. I mean, we saw, yeah, there was a lot of country town problems that would arise as mm. people, yeah, as people stayed there for too long and, you know, all got stuck there for too long and that kind of stuff happened. So, yeah, well, uh, once we finished primary school, we moved up to Sydney mm. and I've been there ever since. Whereabouts uh, in Sydney were you? You were you were a North Shore kid, weren't you? No, we're in a North West suburbs, the Hills District. Ah, uh, yes, the Bible Belt. Yeah, um, <laughs> the safe zone, <laughs> the cultural black hole. Yes, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's a place. Oh, it certainly is, <laughs> and that's it. Uh, that's yeah, that's where all that, all the parades boys were from originally. Yeah, yeah, that would have been like one of those classic core things where it's just like. Only, like, three or four other people like the kind of music that you like, so you all just bandy together. It's yeah. just like, you, we're friends now. Yeah, it was a very tight community. And yeah. we try and put shows on at the local youth place, and, yeah, there was, you know, there was a little bit of a, a group that would start to turn up, and, yeah, it was fun. It was fun for a while. It's yeah. just, there's not a lot happening out there. Yeah. And you're small town Queensland, yeah? I actually Jersey? was, I was born in Moree in North New South Wales. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northwest New South Wales. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, during primary school, moved to Toowoomba. And yeah, I mean, the town's changed so much. My parents still live there and it's a lot more cultural now, actually. There's a lot of right? stuff yeah. happening. Lots of, yeah. We went to, we were back there about a month ago for like a weekend and there was a, um, <clears throat> a street art festival on. Mm-hmm. And it was actually pretty cool. It had yeah. a really nice vibe around the town. But yeah, yeah I mean, same, same shit. Like, small mm. town problems. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Were, were you kind of into music that was, like, not out, like, 
super accessible or anything like that, where you had to, like, find other people that were interested in what you're into? Yeah, I had, there was so many stages. There was, like, my best friend TJ and I, we, um, we both listened to a lot of, like, 70s punk for a while. Oh, and nice, then yeah. I also had, like, you know, big love for, um, for, you know, Radiohead and... Yeah. And... Fiona Apple. That oh, hell kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah, yeah fuck when yeah. I was younger. So it was like, I still remember being teased about <clears throat> saying my favourite band was Fiona Apple by primary school kids. And I was like, I don't know. Why <laughs> That's not a band. Me. Shut up. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome. <laughs> God no, damn. Yeah. This world is bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I know. God. <laughs> Can't even like a good artist without someone teasing you these days. Okay, first time you ever played live. Jono, go. That's a hard one. I have to delve into the, my mind for that. Here we go. I would say maybe the the earliest one I could think of. There's probably ones before that. I feel like we, with the, again, with the parades guys, because we, yeah. we were in school. So we Was just... it always called parades? No. Oh, no. There were some terrible names. What do we got? We Okay, we started with... Brooklyn? We, start, we had Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Because it was a foreign place that we'd never seen or been before. We thought it was sounded pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but there's Ooh. also one on the north, like an hour north of Sydney. So oh, there was too. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So it's not really that cool. Um, we went through 8-Ball. Uh-huh. We went through Easy Money. Yes. The Green Datsun. <laughs> because the Green Datsun got pulled over outside of our rehearsal space, like my house. Yeah. And it was there for a couple of weeks. So we ended up like getting photos in front of it. I'm like, this is cool. It's a green car. Uh, so it's just kid stuff like yeah. the Green Datsun, Ass Cold, City Escape Fire, and then it, we landed on City Escape Fire for a while. Yeah, and then parades. City um, Escape Fire was a very, very like post-hardcore Blood Brothers yeah. name. Yeah, that's a very two thousands name. <laughs> we thought it was pretty cool. Were there any exclamation marks in there? That would that would no. Sad, sadly. Um, <laughs> We should, yeah, we should have had some weird X's and exclamations and caps. Yeah. So the first show was, like, PCYC Youth Centre deal? It would have been. Uh, for me, I can think of the Castle Hill Walkathon. Nice! So, yeah, they do, like, one of those... Did 20... you play in a flatbed truck? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was one of those 24-hour, they walk around the oval things, and mm. they raise money, they raise awareness and money for cancer, I think? Yeah. And, yeah, so we're basically standing on this flatbed truck in the middle of this uh, oval, mm. and it was freezing cold as well. Like, it was getting all dewy and cold, and you could see your breath, and we were trying to play, and it was freezing. Like, our fingers were cold, and I remember Scarpin, our bass player, he he decided that during the big part of one of our songs, he was going to stand up on my bass drum, do a sweet jump off it. Oh, no. And um, <laughs> it was... <laughs> Uh, he so yeah, he climbs up on my bass drum and, and everyone's like, yeah. And then out of the corner of the crowd, I hear my mum and she's like, no, <laughs> get them from there, Michael. Yeah, she was being mum. You no, bloody no, idiot, Michael. And everyone's like, yeah. And no. That's so funny. You're going to hurt yourself. And he did, I think he jumped off. I think it was fine. Of course. I feel like earlier in the set, as soon as we started, Scuffin took a spill because it was like slippery. <laughs> it was a little bit wet on the ground. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So we start thrashing straight off the bat and he just like, what, slips over. And Boom. Like, <laughs> lands on his back. And he's just, I think he was just lying there, kind of in shock, but still playing the song. And we're, yeah. like, being nervous kids. We're so yeah. nervous. We're just all like, oh, he's fell over. Oh, it's so embarrassing. Fuck, that's heavy. And, yeah, we, were, we ended up doing, like, you know, we are doing a cover of Thrice. We are doing a cover of Thursday. And what else do we, yeah, we just, we played all of our favourite bands. Yeah, fuck yeah. It was a fun gig. Good mm. shit. Scared shitless. <laughs> Guess yeah, I can't imagine yours was as exciting as no, that. No, it definitely. Did wasn't. anyone fall over? No, 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 no. no I remember. Uh, what Thursday song did you cover? <laughs> I uh, I did like a battle of the band. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the first Little Scout show because I think it was the first proper show. Oh, that was um, your first band. Little Scout was my first band. Yeah, yeah wow. Before that, I'd only ever done solo stuff. And I was just out of school, but it was at Rick's in mm. Brisbane. Um, oh, before lovely. Rick's changed hands, and it was a three piece. And when Pat sang, sometimes Mel played drums, because that's a secret that my sister can actually play drums and did play drums for a long time. Uh, and yeah, I was just 18, like pretty much the week after my 18th birthday, we scheduled a show in. 
and because I couldn't play in any of the Brisbane venues until I was yeah. old enough. And yeah, it's fun. It's good. Good times. Lots did you fun. ever play solo around town or anything like that? Or in Toowoomba, I did. Yeah. 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 I played. A, I played a bit. Just just acoustic, mm. singer songwritery kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. Were you yeah. playing guitar or piano or guitar? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That very guitar over there. I don't use it anymore. <laughs> no but shit. I've had it since I was fourteen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Will you play us something? <laughs> no. Oh, can you can you even remember any of those songs? You know, I can. I can <laughs> remember them. And my best friend will bring them up sometimes because she can remember them really well mm. um, from, yeah, when I was younger. I played this festival, actually. Mm. God, oh, so many memories. Um, I played this festival. It was called, like, Woodstock or something like that, but it was in, like, <laughs> it was in the sunshine. Pretty sure that was... Yeah. <laughs> I know. Wait a minute. Are you Jimmy Hendrix? Shh. <laughs> 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 They were like, they were like doing this whole thing where they're like, it was in the country and it was just in this kind of field and stuff. And I played, yeah, I played this, this, this weird festival and I played acoustic at it and it was bizarre. And I can't remember who headlined, but it was somebody really like funny, like, uh, I don't know, some, some country Australian legend. Lee Kernigan? It may have been someone like that. Yeah, Maybe so Lee played... or Tanya Kernigan, one of the Kernigans. Could have been one of the Kernigans. <laughs> one sure. of the Kernigans. Yeah, but I think it only lasted one year that festival. Went into uh, bankruptcy afterwards because it wasn't very good. Ugh. You single-handedly took down the festival. <laughs> Not the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Just one by one. Yeah. <laughs> I called it. I called it. <laughs> okay, so... City Escape Fire ends or just changes yeah, or what? Changed. It, yeah, it morphed into parades. Right, because there was all yeah along towards the end of it there was um, kind of a bit of overlap where we started trying to change um, the music and mm. yeah like would someone would come in with some more kind of electronic sounding stuff and we'd be like oh how can we fit this in with the crazy heavy stuff and eventually we're like oh we'll just let's just do all this there seems to be a lot more ideas in this style than the old style so yeah. We just kind of changed the whole format and turned it into a more of a pop thing, I guess. Yeah, sure. And was it was it all was it always just the four of you? Or did you have other people coming and going? We yeah, we had we added some people along the way. I think there was a there was a spell there where we kind of we wrote a lot of songs with like male and female vocals. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, eventually, you know, we kind of always felt like we had to replicate that live that we always mm. had to have the female vocal there because we did it on the record but yeah. we, we realised after that we are just like we don't it doesn't have to be like it doesn't we don't have to be true to the record mm. for every single detail so eventually it just turned back into the four of us again and I think yeah. that's how we worked best because I remember Alex was playing with you for a while yeah we had the girls from from um, Q yes Freya and Alex R.I.P. Mm. and yeah another another great Sydney act from around that time yeah, yeah. totally um, yeah and we I remember seeing them play at the Red Rattler once and, and we were like, oh, we should, you know, they're probably, they're too busy, you know, they're probably too too big for us. And we asked them if they'd play and, like, do the female vocals and the keyboards and extra stuff like that and they were just like, yeah, we'd love to. And mm. it was, uh, yeah, we were just so surprised and we are like, all right, sweet. This yeah. band just became really strong. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, that was, that was going on before you were experimenting doing the solo stuff or... Yeah, would they kind of happen in tandem? Yeah, like I, I was always making music away from the band. Yeah, and then uh, and yeah, putting it online and just just having it there because mm. it was just something else to do, something creative. And eventually, yeah, something got on radio and it took off from there. Yeah, was that a weird thing for you to because like you know you'd spent so much time working with the with the guys in parades and you know doing music like that and then like one song will just of, of your own will just have that kind of unexpected momentum you're just like oh really like yeah. out of everything i've done it was like that one yeah sure. totally i think a lot of artists probably get that Someone, yeah yeah for sure you make something that a lot of people can grab onto and yeah and it's not necessarily defining for your yeah musical tastes but if they like it yeah it kind of it takes off and and you'd be silly not to go with it and to just let it happen organically. So, yeah. yeah. That, and when you're young and that happens, you're just like, okay, I'll go with this. It's yeah. this, Like, this is cool. This sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Kirsty, you're 18. You've just you've just turned 18. You, things are taking off a little scout. Like, mm. uh, 
yeah what 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 are your some like favorite memories from around that time because like obviously that's such an exciting thing to you know have this band and this kind of momentum going like obviously it like there was a few years before the first record would come out but like mm. you guys put in a lot of work before that record came out i remember that yeah we did a couple of eps and um and we played live a lot yeah um <laughs> And we did a lot of touring. I think we were really lucky, actually, with the kind of touring we did because a lot of it was with, like, bands like Parades or Q mm-hmm. or, you know, Philadelphia Grand Jury mm. and Cloud Control we used to play of with course, a lot. Of course, yeah. And, like, those, the show. those friendships have lasted, mm. like, across the board. I think we were re- in a really lucky time where, like, there was this real camaraderie in the Australian music scene. We all used to crash at each other's houses. Like, anytime we came to Sydney, we'd stay with, like, Richie Cuthbert. Mm. Or then when we met the parades boys would stay with them and vice versa. And it was just such a fun, exciting time to be a touring musician in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was good. I was in a band with my sister and that like, in the early days had its like ups and downs, but eventually Mm. it was only, only good things, which was great. You know, as we both got a bit older and we both realized that we were each other's best ally. It was, um, Hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So did you two kind of, get into music around the same time were you were you kind of like showing each other music and stuff like that like or was it ever in the back of your head that you'd, you'd play music together or Not really i sort of jumped on board with little scout it was definitely mel and pat's project yeah and i just jumped on board to play live and then over the years that morphed into like i always played on the records as well but then probably when we did take your light, maybe. Yeah, that would have been the first time that we all sort yeah. of started to collaborate in the writing process together. Yeah. Um, and then when we did the last record, um, it was much more collaborative. Yeah. Um, much more even. And I think the writing paid off for it because, it, you know, having four people's ideas for arrangements is always excellent because yeah. everyone adds their own little bits and pieces, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. Yeah. When you look back at, uh, you know, going between the, the solo stuff and the parade stuff as well, uh, what are you, some of your personal highlights? What do you what do you look back on as, like, some of the best moments of, of that period of having both going pretty, like, on a, on a relatively pretty big scale at the mm. same time? I guess it's all, yeah, all the stuff that Kirsty's been saying. Yeah, because just... a lot of it was shared, you know. Yeah, yeah like, we'd always, we'd always be meeting new people and, and then re-meeting people that we just met and mm. it's kind of everybody was just keen to have a fun time and and be friends and it's just yeah it was exciting like i was happy to sleep on someone's floor with like a pillow under my hip because it was hurting because i was on the floor and like just yeah you know you'd find anywhere you could stay and it'd just be like oh, thanks like this is awesome we're, we're driving around the country mm. playing shows that like a couple of people give a shit about it was yeah it was a really nice experience with friends as well you're just traveling with friends playing music and like that's just what more can you ask for yeah exactly i guess uh while you know that kind of camaraderie and that touring was happening as well both of you got to you know do some bigger shows and play with like international acts and stuff like that as well was that kind of an intimidating thing in the back of your head being like oh we can't fuck this one up you know yeah, kind of. Sometimes. I was more, it was more like venues, like playing on such big stages. Mm. Yeah. And we supported Bell and Sebastian. At, oh, yeah, um, sure. At the Tivoli in Brisbane. Yeah. Which was amazing. Such a beautiful venue. And weirdly enough, um, like we had become friends with their trumpet player f- through doing shows with Camera Obscura. Oh, sure. Back in the day. And um then the other trumpet player on the night for Bell and Sebastian was my old high school music band director. No kidding. Yeah, and he was just like, "What are you doing here?" I was like, "I'm supporting." What are you doing here? He's like, "I'm playing trumpet for Bell and Sebastian." I was like, "Far out." And yeah, it was such a surreal kind of experience to have that. But um, yeah, I reckon one of my favorite tours we did was the New Pornographers tour. Oh sure, that was really fun. They were really great people. Really good songwriters. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Jono? The... What's the question? (laughs) (laughs) He's gone. He's gone. He's he's clocked out. (laughs) No, I was just talking about, you know, like, as well as... Uh, you know, kind of touring in with like local acts and stuff like that. Like both of you got to play some bigger shows with like international acts as well. International stuff. Yeah. 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 Of course. Um. Yeah. It was always a pleasure to to be able to grace those stages with such 
large axe. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, you'd in the back of your mind, I, I think more than just like, I hope we don't fuck this up. It's like, I hope we do a good job. Mm. Mm. Um, like I hope it translates because, you know, you get there to a big venue like that and they've got crews, like they've got a finely tuned touring machine. Mm. Yeah. And like crew people, roadies and stuff, like serious roadies. And we're just kids who've driven our shit there in a car. And the yeah, you feel so out of place because it's not a world that we're accustomed to having people to like set gear up for you and that kind of thing. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're also business around those places as well. Like they're mm. very roadies and sound guys and all that yeah. kind of AV crew mm. have a certain thing about them. They're all kind of then they can come across as cold or or grumpy, but they're not usually. It's just because they're they're focused. Yeah, in that work environment. Yeah, but from you know, for the first time you're there, you're just like, oh, am I, like, am I stepping on people's toes? Like, am I in the way? I feel like I'm not doing the right thing. And it can be a little intimidating for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So pretty much all the, the, the bands and the, like we said, the bands and the projects we've been talking about are all kind of being talked about in the past tense. Cause like there came that point where both of you moved and, and went to, went to Berlin. And mm-hmm. like, that was a time where, I guess parades are kind of run its course and, and like things had wrapped up, I guess with the solo stuff and like you played on the last little scout record, mm-hmm. but you weren't like in the band it. and yeah, yeah, like by that point you kind of left and yeah, yeah that, that, that's a big, big decision. Like mm-hmm. I can imagine that would have been weighing pretty heavily on your minds when you decided to do it, but mm-hmm. like, uh, talk us through that process and, and what kind of sparked it. I don't think we really considered it from a career perspective at the time. Yeah. I think that's, like, now I wouldn't make that decision so flippantly, I Mm. suppose. But at the time, yeah, Parades had finished. You had to write another uh, Boulay album. Mm -hmm. I had just gotten a grant for studying music, essentially. Like, it was just this weird grant that the government gave. And we were just like, why don't we just do the thing? We'd been talking about moving to Berlin for years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we did it and we got a little studio space there and Jono wrote his his third album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the third yeah, one. Yeah, third album. And uh, we travelled heaps, which was great. Mm. It wasn't... I just don't feel like it was a super... Like, looking back, it wasn't the most responsible decision <laughs> for our careers. Well, I think because the idea had spawned, like... As as we we were a bit younger and we we're just like yeah. let's move overseas. Oh, let's bring everyone with us. We'll all yeah. go overseas. It'll yeah. be great. And then yeah. the years go by, and you're like, okay, you know, it's probably not realistic that everyone can come with us overseas. So let's mm. just let's just move overseas, and hopefully, maybe like someone, one or two of them, might also join us eventually. Yeah. Mm. But like, of course, it's so it's silly to assume what someone's plan is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got over there and. and it was kind of hard to find mutual musicians that we could have in our bands and that we could collaborate with and that kind of thing. Also, we should st- like say we've been so fortunate with the kind of musicians that we've worked with. Like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, mm. very very talented um, people. Yeah, and yeah. years of, of years history of with those people. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, it's kind of yeah that came a lot more in focus when we moved there, and we're like, yeah, well, there's like. You know, you have to start from scratch and, and mm. try and meet people and try and mm. make... You can't you can't compare those connections that you had at home with ones that you're just making now because mm. they're fresh, like they're brand yeah. new. Um, yeah, the history. Yeah. But it was cool because that's how Party Dozen started. So we right. didn't have... Mm. We didn't have anyone else to really play with. And then we decided that we would make a band. And then, yeah, like since then, we pretty much play in all of each other's projects now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, at the time, like, you were both kind of moving away from acts that, you know, like you said, your first band. And mm. for for you, Jono, the, the band that, like, were people that have been with you throughout your entire yeah. musical career. Like, I can imagine that would have been, I don't know, maybe a difficult thing to let go, but, like, maybe maybe in hindsight it was just, like, it maybe would have been easier than you thought. Like, I, I, I've i never really had that. Like, I, I can only see it from an outsider's perspective, but I remember when Parade split up, and I'm just like, fuck, that's it. Like, I just this band that I spent so many years with. Mm. But, like, I was, I was, I'm just an outsider. Like, that, that was your life for years, you mm. know? And, and same with Little Scout. Like I was, mm. you know, I'd been seeing you both play in those bands for years, and then 
to have that kind of taken away was just uh, kind of surreal. It was a bit of a shock, you know? Yeah, you realise that it's just nothing can last forever. Yeah. I think, I think the parade scene was, was tricky because it was so sudden. You know, like, it wasn't mm. like... Like, with Little Scout, it made a lot of sense for us because, like, I hadn't been there for the last thing. I actually got to play the last Little Scout show we ever played. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Woodford. Because uh, I was home for Christmas yeah. from overseas, and that was so special. And we had all the touring members there as well, so it was like it was like this big, this big stage. And we decided that we wouldn't start. We we had been working on some new material while I was in London, and they were in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and we were we were like emailing ideas and stuff. Yeah. And then Miro wanted to focus more on producing. Uh huh. And I think Mel and Pat just felt like it had run its course as yeah. Little Scout and that maybe if they continue writing, they wouldn't mind like rebranding. But mm. so it was, but it was kind of like, you know, just a slow fade out for Little Scout. But I feel yeah. like for parades, it was just like one day you were playing shows and then the next you weren't. Yeah. I, yeah, I think we just didn't make it um, very public. No. I think we decided, you know, okay, we'll just, we'll stop. We'll stop at this point and then uh, mm. just call it. Yeah. Was that was that tough for you? Like like knowing in the back of your head, like everything that the, the the that core group of people had gone through. Uh I don't know. I guess I I still I knew that we were gonna keep making stuff. Like whoever was keen, we were gonna we we're gonna continue to make something. And it's true. You and Dan haven't really stopped making stuff. Yeah. yeah. Since then. Because I know. Yeah. Like bands, band names and band like concepts can come and go, but you know, like like we were saying, those friends that stick around that you can work with. Yeah. Are kind of what's core to that. If you want to mm. keep creating, <clears throat> you've got yeah. people with a history of writing music with. Like you can always do something with them. If you've yeah. got a cool idea, they'll always be keen. Yeah, yeah. And it's really nice to have those kind of people around you because you yeah. can, yeah, they'll help you with your ideas. Yeah, I mean, on that note, where does, where does Snakeface kind of mm. come into the trajectory? That Yeah, I guess Snakeface was rather early as well. Like, we were playing around around 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, and recording. Mm. I guess that, yeah, it was just a with another... A, a separate group of friends that eventually all became one big group of friends. Yeah. Yeah. It was taking care of our punk side that we had left behind when we turned into parades. Yeah. So that was ticking that, that box for us. Cause yeah. we, we still wanted that stuff, you know, you still want to rock out and have a, and have them stand there with your guitar feedbacking, making horrendous noise. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. And then the snake facing like really hit a peak when we all went away and recorded Oberon. And obviously I remember I that. Yeah. Man, but, they just had, like, all five boys were just like, everybody come. If you have something to add to the album, like, do it. So, I remember we put some clarinet on some of it. Yeah, that was um, just, it was just free reign. Free reign with all friends, and that album was so special because we were all living in this house in the country for, like, a week. Yeah. Just recording. That was yeah. a really fun time. It was really good. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, uh, after after everything kind of ends with, with Little Scout, what's the what's the first thing that you do after that musically? Like, did you did you kind of have to take a moment to kind of mm. get get ideas together of, of what would happen next? Or was it always kind of in the back of your head where you'd go from there? No, I didn't do anything for ages. Yeah. Not really. Mm. Like, yeah. I sort of... Like, I was still playing music... Um, I, what did we do? We started Party Dozen. Yeah. And then we did some, when we first got back to Australia, which was almost two years ago now, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I joined the Jonathan Boulay band uh-huh. and the John Steele Singers band. Yeah. And did that, um, and collaborated with Mel and Pat's new project, Pines, for just doing some sax on their stuff. And I yeah. sort of did that for a while until last year. So it's like a few years in between. Mm-hmm. And then Ooh. end of last year, I was like, I think it's time to do some pop music again. And I just yeah. sat down and started smashing up the exhibitionist stuff. Yeah. And what that I can imagine that would have been a full circle thing. Like, you know, you started out as a solo artist and then kind of, you know, kind of stepped into other people's projects. And then after all this time, you finally come back to, to doing mm. something essentially just by yourself. Yeah. I've done quite a lot of session work as well. Yeah. Um, I've done some session. I did some session. Actually, that's not true. I, it's not, I didn't have that many years off because I went on tour with Henry Wagons in the US um, during mm. that time overseas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've like, I feel like all of the stuff that I've done has made me a good performer. Mm. So I feel ready to do 
a solo project now, probably more than I ever have. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that, by the same token, that will kind of be the first proper time that you'll be in the, in like, you know, focus, like, mm. centre of attention, you know, yeah. apart from apart from that music festival all those Seriously? years ago. So, yeah, yeah, totally. At, yeah, 28 years old. Finally, <laughs> finally doing it again. <laughs> but it's good. I wouldn't change it. Yeah. It's been a good, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, while that's happening, Jono, you've kind of taken more of a backseat, like, uh, like, uh, Jono, Jonathan Boulay, quote-unquote, as a, as a project, hasn't really done much, like, there was the one-off show last year, and yep. things have been relatively quiet on that front, and you've kind of moved back towards the, the drum throw, and there was the one-off Snakeface show mm-hmm. last year as well, yeah. um, yeah, like, has it been an uh, interesting thing for you from, you know, having all that attention on, on you specifically to kind of being, you know, back back behind the kit and back mm. behind that, that, that side of things? I think, yeah, like, the, the context has changed. Like, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not in the limelight doing the front man thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, yeah, I still feel like I'm just as active just yeah in a different way like i yeah i'm in on the drums a bit more i've been like party dozen for me is ticking Mm. many boxes and it's cool because it's like 50 50 i feel like yeah like neither of us are in the limelight at any one for any one show like it's really yeah yeah it it really feels like a a collaborative thing yeah yeah but i wouldn't say you're any less prolific as a songwriter, like you work on a lot of well, stuff. Yeah, I think I'm just yeah. sort of focusing on different different aspects of of still doing music, but just yeah, not the uh, individualistic frontman kind of vibe. Yeah, which is yeah, like that's one thing, and I think a lot of people grab onto that because it's very easy for people to connect with like a single person who's who's singing, and they have like you can hear their voice, you see, yeah. you hear their lyrics, like that's a very direct thing. Yeah. Um, but I think I like personally. I connect more with other other aspects of music stuff. Yeah, I mean, do you do you foresee that as being something that you'll ever return to? Yeah, maybe. I'm open to. I'm open to it. I'm yeah. you know, thinking about it all the time. Like if I if a good idea comes through, I'll try yeah. and execute it for sure. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I'm just sort of trying to do just be as creative as I can in in whatever way I can. Yeah. Tell us about the first party dozen show. The first show. The first uh, show was at Swerve Society. Yeah, Newtown Social Club. Oh, cool. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, it was pretty weird. That was fun. Yeah. It was nice. But the I mean, it was, was always going to be weird, let's be honest. <laughs> yes, true. We, um, we hadn't sorted out any kind of um, sampler setup or anything like that, so at that point I had the loops that we'd play to on... Yeah. I had them on iTunes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So bad. On a laptop. It's, um, I really... Right now, I really hate laptops on stage. <laughs> I don't think we had another choice at the time. And though. Yeah, that was the only choice. So I had iTunes open with the loops that we'd play for, for each oh, yeah, song. Yeah, because we didn't have our samplers because they were in a box from the United Kingdom oh, getting shipping. shipped to Australia. Classic. I didn't, and I didn't have my alto saxophone either, so I played the first show on the tenor, which was just... Challenge. Just a challenge. The context is yeah. that uh, is that smaller it's or bigger? bigger. It's right, bigger and it's harder to like. It's harder to squeal on um, than the alto. So uh, it was like right. hard hard work. But um, the show was fun. I think it was, was good. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of people, but that's probably the the better kind of first show yeah. that you want. Yeah. Was our next show at Blackwire? Also, RIP all of yes. the venues. Uh, everyone we played is shutting down. That's weird. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Look out. No, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was Blackwire. Blackwire or Beat Disc, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, fun. you played with Clowns. I remember that. Yeah. Cl- yeah, Friends clowns, of the show, but... former guests. Yeah. And then we also played, um, it was one of the bands who played with us last night, Extreme Misanthropy Crew, except at um, Beat Disc. Except when they played that show, they were the loudest band I've ever heard. Yeah, they're fucking terrifying. I like... was outside mm. with earplugs in and it was still, like, yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fucking Ben and Pete are savages when it comes to that sort of stuff Seriously. I'm just like how do you guys do that yeah. like they've always been in noisy bands but like yeah. that one in particular they just like their freak it's flag brutal. fly man yeah <laughs> last night they played a really chilled beautiful set I love that they can do either yeah I think that's really cool yeah, yeah. It's a testament to their yeah, abilities yeah to their musical abilities and yeah. ideas as well like the mm. fact that they're not like we, they don't have to rely on brutal noise to 
cover to everything cover, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> so for context, uh, yeah, yesterday Party Dozen uh, officially launched their their debut album, uh, sold out show at uh, one oh seven in Redfern. How how was it? I, I I gotta know how how it all went down. It was great. It, it was, was so much so fun. fun. It was just like a it was like a party. It was like a house party. It was like a, yeah. a family gathering. It was just all of our friends and family were there, and mm. it was just, you couldn't turn anyway without seeing someone that you know and that you love. And yeah, looking up from the audience was just it was yeah. It was very warm. Very warm. But it was cool. We um we had uh our mate Henry doing sound and he's just a weapon, so he was Oh Henry used to work at New South Social. Yeah. Oh what a perfect angel. Yes. Henry fucking is a one of the funniest fucking dudes in the world. <gasps> Seriously. God a, damn, he's got some such stories. An oddball, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love him. Love him too. Yeah, he did a great job. He set up some visuals for us that were just off the chain. Crazy, they were really yeah, crazy really and cool. yeah. audio reactive and it was just so yeah, it all came together really nicely and we had a great night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is easily the like the least accessible project either of you have ever worked on, and I say that sure. with mm. so much love. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, like this has gotten some of the most attention that either of you have ever received as musicians, and I can yeah. imagine that's a really kind of weird uh, kind it's of in between so to find yourself strange. in. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pleasing. It's pleasing because we are so passionate about it. Like, yeah, it's like mm. it's like the the project. You know, without without this, I don't think that we would be as happy with our other output. But right. with Party Dozen, it just boosts everything else up. Like, it makes, yeah. me, it makes me excited to do pop because it's like, well, I've got this other thing that's satisfying, like, that yeah. side of my brain yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. But, um, yeah, when we put up, like, a live video and it just went nuts <coughs> and so strange, you know. And I was laughing with my friend um, Fez because I, I had told him how, you know, we'd laboured over this, like, exhibitionist film clip for a couple of days and, yeah. you know, made this whole thing and it was beautiful, edited properly, blah, blah, blah. And we got my sister and her boyfriend to just film us recording a song in Brisbane and that video just stretched so much further. Mm. So you, you just can't, like, you can't bloody pick it. But we yeah. were so happy that it did because, like, we love it. Mm. Super yeah. cool. Yeah, fucking A. And I guess one of the, the best things about party doesn't is that it is very sustainable like it's just the two of you mm. you know there's one instrument a piece you know mm-hmm. it's pretty easy to you know set up and get going and it's like now there's more and more attention on it there's more opportunity for more shows and more touring mm-hmm. and, and yeah. whatnot so yeah totally. yeah much easier than you know taking five six people around the country right. <laughs> very true. That's right. yeah and it's weird like my my parents love party doesn't really yeah they because what they hear in it is is like the psychedelic kind of vibe oh sure so they hear that they don't hear like the really gritty gross stuff that i personally hear yeah that i that really satisfies me and then mm. one of our friend's sister was like i just think it's just so beautiful and i was like Huh. How? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think it's just this project that resonates differently, and what people want to hear is what mm. they end up hearing, which is cool. Yeah. yeah, I like that people can draw different things from the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, uh, when is the first exhibition show? It's going to be in well, it's going to be in definitely in September, but hopefully August. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And how are you feeling going into that? Uh good. Yeah, it's really exciting. I finished the EP, so it's that's all done. And then, um, yeah, we've started rehearsals, and it's kind of slowly coming together, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And Jono, do you have any uh, any other kind of projects or ideas in the back of your head for for what you'll do next away from P twelve? Um, P twelve. I love P twelve so I'm much. I'm so into P twelve. So good. <laughs> that's I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, yeah, other projects that we've got going. Dan and I, Dan from Parades. Ah, uh, yes. Myself and Tim, who used to play in Snakeface. Right. We've got a three piece now, and we're called Ass. Of course. And mm-hmm. it's like I was saying before, scratching my my punk itch. It's a pretty punk style band. Which yeah, is a punk band. It also gets you away from the drum kit, which is nice. That's right, I get a chance to play yeah. the bass. Oh, dope. Which I really, I love not having to play drums in a punk band because it's the worst job <laughs> that anyone can have in one of those bands. Yeah. It's exhausting. Because you, you're expected to work as hard as you can for the entire entirety of the set. Mm. And you can't work hard without busting your balls mm. and sweating. Yeah. But you can mm. stand there with a bass guitar and not sweat and still be... 
praised. It, just remember your three notes. Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. It's cooler if you're not thrashing around and sweating. Yeah. So I'm into that. Fucking A. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, yeah, as someone who's gotten to see you guys through every single phase, it, it, it's really, really so wonderful to see, and I, I always love watching both of you play. It's Thanks. nice to, yeah, to it's have nice had to you see, around all this time, too. It's nice to see David James Young in the audience, oh, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, before we get out of here, uh, we are going to get your favourites and your least favourite shows that you have ever played. Best and worst shows Ooh. ever. So okay. on an, we can we can just yeah do this on the individual basis. So it's up to you if you want to go worse than best or then or best than worst. Like mm. yeah, however the narrative is yours, really. All right, my best show that I have ever played was with the John Steele Singers. We are uh, it was a Jonathan Boulay and John Steele Singers at the Trifford in Brisbane. Oh wow, pretty fun show. Just got off stage with Boulay and then had to go on stage with the John Steele Singers, and it was the funnest show I think I've ever played. I just danced and yeah, yeah. did heaps of sax and heaps of singing and yeah. drank beers the whole show. It was just like on fire. Yeah. The whole band was so nailing good. it. Mm. It was great. That final John Steele show at Newtown Social was one of the most fun shows. So much fun. It was like, amazing. Yeah, if you could make all of your shows that fun, <laughs> yeah. you'd be killing it. Oh my god. <laughs> I remember fucking doing rape and crap. You just fucking... Oh, the just pulled a trombone out of nowhere. Johnny could not play the trombone for the record. No, sir. Just, uh, just gave it a good old honk. Oh. <laughs> Straight into the back of Pete oh. and Kirsty's head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what the hell is that? Kirsty's oh. trying to sing, but she can't stop laughing. Oh. Like, God, that was so Struggling. fucking great. Oh. Yeah. What about your... Like... Yeah, what was your worst... Um, worst show. Oh, there was this. I so I actually played with parades for a while. Yeah, um, right. And we had this show at a lumber lounge in Brisbane, and just none of the gear was working. Like the PA oh, yeah. was not working. Oh, that was it dodgy, wasn't it? Sounded so bad, and I couldn't hear my voice. And we'd had such a lovely afternoon of rehearsals, and it was sounding awesome. And then we got there, and I was just, I couldn't hear anything I was singing, and it was uncomfortable. This... And I wouldn't let them open the doors because it sounded so bad, and I was being really bossy. And it's yeah. like you can't open the doors yet. We need another half an hour because we have to be able to hear. And it was just well, there the was worst. there was one of the issues that I remember. The sound guy was kind of confused and walking around the PA, and we we're just like, what, what's going on? He's like, I don't know, something's wrong. And we looked, and the PA hadn't been turned on and we were just like the PA's not on like the guy (laughs) holy shit and he was just confused he's like it's not coming like I don't understand it's not coming out like it was torturous. He not... tried turning it off and on again. (laughs) Tried turning it off and on. Yeah. It was torturous just not knowing whether anything you were doing was A coming through or whether you just look like an idiot or B if anything that you were singing was in tune or in time or you know all the things that you like the one thing that you need when you play live is just to be able to hear yourself everything else is okay like you know but yeah brutal yeah brutal Mm. Jono what do you got I don't know I can't I can't really think of a lot of really bad gigs that we've had you know like just in terms of vibes or just actually Yes. Okay. We played um, on our on the Boule second album tour. Mm-hmm. We played in I think it was Maruchador or somewhere somewhere north there. Mm-hmm. And um, the the tour was being put on by a company, and they'd set the ticket prices because they had they had funded the whole tour. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So they were trying to recoup their money from putting us on, and they'd put I didn't I didn't know how much tickets were, and I went to walk into the venue, and it said it was it was like a thirty dollar ticket on the door, and I was like, that's a lot of money. Like I wouldn't pay thirty dollars to see us. Like, yeah, that's a shit ton of money. And I walked in, and we played this show to um, Wolf and Cub, who was supporting us. Yeah. And maybe five other people in this big... It's like a big 200 people room. And there was five people in there. It was completely empty. So brutal. And uh, I was just like, Because oh you guys were God. good at that point as well. Like, I, you... Yeah. We'd become a lot better by that point. Yeah. And it was just like, why the fuck are we here? Like, this is ridiculous. Oh. Didn't anyone look at the ticket sales and, like, cancel this shit? Because it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just remember we... You know, though I remember at that time I was always I'd always say that if it was a 
shit attendance, it's always a good gig for us to get better at what we do because we, you know, you, there's nothing to draw on. You can't draw any energy from anywhere, so you have to generate it yourself. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we we just played and played as hard as we could, and it was just no one knew about it. It was really, <laughs> it was kind of sad. We we're just like, let's just forget about that gig and get to the Sydney gig. Yeah. That w- was that the Metro one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, that was a good one. So yeah, we got to that one and it was just like, yeah, this is this makes up for all the other gigs that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Fucking was right. Fun. Yeah. Uh, so what was your best? Well, probably one of those, I guess. I mean, I love... Same tour. I love all these party dozen shows. They're always, yeah, the they're always really, really fun. Yeah, last was a pretty big high. But yeah. but yeah, we had some incredible shows with the with the Bullet crew. What um, about the, um, that Falls Festival show? That was pretty special. You did with it's like a video of it online. It's insane. Oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like big shows were were okay. There's, you know, it's hard to feel a lot of vibe at those big festivals because mm. it's such a giant crowd, and you know, half of them aren't really into you. Um, but probably the smaller ones, like we the metro shows for me were always really good. Like the FBI Sounds Like series when they yeah, used to put on shows. Sure. I remember playing one of those, and I came. We came on stage, and I was just. I was jacked up on Red Bull or something. And yeah. I was so excited. Here he is. And they introduced us and I just, I think I jumped on stage and I was just like, ah, oh, and I hadn't picked up my guitar. And I'm like, start the song, Waddy, start the song. And he's like, but you haven't got your guitar. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and he just starts ripping into it. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> and it was just a really fucking fun time. Fuck but, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was cool. Oh, that's incredible. Okay, so the Party Dozen record is mm. in, out now. Yes. In all, in all good stores. Yes. It's called... The Living Man. The Living Man. They rejected my uh, previous entries of The Burning Man or The Running Man. Oh, yes. Uh, the Running Man. The Running Man. <laughs> Damn it. Just a, just a little uh, holographic cover, just doing The Running Man on the front. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, someday. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, pretty much everything you guys have released is out on Bandcamp and on Spotify and on the, all, all the usuals. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff to get through, but uh, I would absolutely recommend all of it, but uh, in particular, Take Your Life and Foreign Tapes, which are two albums that changed my life, and, uh, yeah, uh, just still huge, huge parts of my life to this very, very day. And, uh, yeah, the fact that I've I've gotten to stay friends with you guys all this time, yeah, it means the absolute world. So thank you guys so much for doing this. Thanks, David. You're the best. Oh, no, you are. Stop it. No, you hang up. No, you are. I'm David James Gump, and all my friends.